Well, it's good to see everybody at church this morning on Labor Day weekend. It is an honor uh, to be with all of you again. Second service. Are you feeling good today? Good, good, good. Can you do me a favor and welcome everyone who is joining us online from wherever they are? Thank you for hanging out with us today. I know I got some friends and family watching from all over, friends in uh, North Carolina watching, Texas, Ohio, Alabama, Virginia. They've all texted me today, said you're watching. So I love you guys very much. Today, I want to preach a message entitled Social Distancing. If those are your two favorite words you've ever heard put together in the English language, say amen. <laughs> Nobody. Okay. The, uh, we have heard those two words put together, and I want to bring a different spin on it today. I want to break out the ideas that we're going to be sharing today out of Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through 21. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. I like the, a couple phrases that it uses, so I'm just going to read from this translation today. Exodus chapter 20 says this, and all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed themselves. They removed and stood afar off. Notice that, verse 18, when they, the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us directly or we're going to die. And Moses said to the people, don't be afraid for God is come to prove you or to test you and that his fear or his reverence may be before your faces and that you sin not. What Moses is telling the people of Israel is don't be afraid. His presence has come to test you so that you'll have reverence for him and that you'll make decisions that honor him. Verse 21, and the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near into the thick darkness where God, where God was. Today, the concept of social distancing is not foreign to us. In fact, if there's two words, if there are two words that we are tired of hearing, it is social distancing. Social distancing was put in place to keep us from spreading um, this disease during this pandemic, and it is to keep us at least six feet apart and to keep us safe. The idea is that we social distance to protect ourselves from an unwanted, an unwanted outcome. In this story, we find in Exodus chapter 20, the children of Israel have had now been out of Egypt for around two months. And while they have been out during this time, the Bible lets us know that Moses has always had interaction with God personally, but not the children of Israel. So you have thousands and thousands of people who have left Egypt with Pastor Moses leading them, and Pastor Moses has had all of the interaction with God directly. Moses then connects to the people and communicates the things that God has said to him and, and then reviews the information to the people. But we find in Exodus chapter 19 that God has sent an invitation to the thousands and thousands of the children of Israel who have just left Egypt 
Still, still have the dust of Egypt on him. Just, just still have the memories of crossing the Red Sea. And God has invited them in verse 17 of chapter 19. I want to meet with my people personally. Moses, I don't want to broker the deal. I want you to move aside. I'm going to come to Mount Sinai and I want to meet with the children of Israel one-on-one. What an invitation, right? Can you imagine being the children of Israel and God has invited to meet with you, has sent an invitation, if you would, to just have a moment with him. It's crazy to actually think that the same God that sent plagues just months earlier, the same God that they saw do supernatural works in the land of Egypt, the same God who split the Red Sea that they crossed through when Pharaoh's army was behind them and and the Red Sea was before them and they were feeling pressed on each side and Pastor Moses raised his staff and the scripture says the water parts and they part and they walk on on dry ground. Can you imagine that? This is the God who is asking to meet with them. And the scripture says that they come to the mountain where God has come down. And the scripture says they see the clouds, the smoke, the lightning, where God is. And you would think they would be excited to meet the creator of the universe. You would think they would be excited to meet the man or to meet God himself, to look him face to face, to have this encounter and this experience. But scripture informs us that they see lightning and thunder and they have a different response than you would think. The Bible says they actually, they actually socially distance themselves. They, they pull away from God. Now, Lauren, I'm sure you're like me. When you see that, you're like, what are you thinking? Like, why would you do that? This is like a great moment, a great opportunity, and they distance themselves. And let me just pause and say here, before we judge them about what they did, let's think about how we do it today. We at times can socially distance ourselves from from God. I think there are a few reasons that we distance ourselves. It is because oftentimes we are trying to protect ourselves because we oftentimes are afraid that God will make us do something or we are protecting ourselves to keep a safe distance between us and God. Here's the first point I want you to catch. It's easy to be close enough to see God and yet far enough away to not be transformed by God. Can I get a little help? That we by nature can keep a safe distance between us and God. What do you mean, Pastor Ethan? Well, let me help you. We can own a Bible, right? We can have a family Bible. You can have a Bible, any translation, any cover. You can have it on your phone. But we can oftentimes have it in our possession, but yet will not have the relationship with it to where it can transform us. We keep it at a safe distance. Are you still hearing me? We do the same thing when we come to church. 
You can sit in these rows. You can watch online. And what we can do, we could be in the presence of God, but never truly engage in the moment, never raise our hands, never listen to the sermon, never lean into the moment, never give when the offering plate goes by. We, we, we don't get into these moments. Really what we're doing is we're creating a safe distance. We like seeing God for what he can do, but we're okay with not getting any deeper with our own lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Scripture says it like this, that we can have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. In other words, you could look like it, but yet still not be transformed by it. We spiritually distance ourselves to protect ourselves, hear me, from unwanted inconveniences. We are oftentimes afraid, Pat, that if we embrace God, if we become intimate with God, if we draw near to God, he may make us a missionary in Africa. Or he, or he may ask us from, for like tithe. And he may ask us to like forgive our ex-husband. Like, that's crazy. That God would ask us to do something. It's a form of self preservation. So we, we distance ourselves. I want you to see in verse 18 that the scripture says they saw and heard. They saw and heard. They saw the lightning and they heard the thunder and what they saw and heard caused them to distance themselves. Okay. Now here's all I want you to see that many of us make a lot of decisions based on what we have seen and what we have heard, right? Like when you go to a business or a restaurant, this just yesterday, my wife and I were buying some furniture and we get on Google reviews, right? And you start scanning because what other people have seen and heard will oftentimes help you make a decision. The bad thing is some of the things people have seen and heard are not always the rule, they're the exception. And then the only negative thing they ever, the only thing they're gonna post is when it's bad. So 90% of the stuff you read are terrible, and you're like, this restaurant must be awful. It's probably great, probably great. But these negative experiences, what they have seen and what they have heard can dictate our decisions. We do the same thing. We oftentimes won't put our kids in certain schools because of things that we have seen and things we have heard. We didn't even experience it, but what we've heard secondhand or seen or what other people have informed us of we won't put our kids in the school. We won't go to certain businesses. We won't attend certain churches. We won't sit by certain people. We won't talk to certain individuals, not even because of a personal experience that we had, but just as something because we have heard something. We have seen something. There's been some chatter. I think the same thing can happen in the house of God, that it's easy for people to distance themselves from God and the church because of some things that they have seen and some things they have heard. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I was raised a pastor's kid. My mom and dad raised us in ministry and literally cannot remember never not being in the church, never being involved in worship or, or cleaning the church or, or, or setting chairs up and down and setting youth rooms and worship practice and preaching and traveling and evangelizing. And as a pastor's kid, one thing people may not understand when you're a pastor's kid, you see the church from the inside out. 
you see a lot of stuff. You experience a lot of things. You see the good and bad. They say that ministry is brutal, that you see the brutal part of life and the beautiful part of life all in ministry. You can see it in one day. You can do a wedding on Saturday at noon and a funeral by Saturday at 3.30 many times, doing is celebrating the life coming together, and then just a few hours later, we're in the same suit, carrying the same notes and the same Bible into a service where somebody has departed from earth, and you got to put on another feeling going into those moments. In ministry, you experience so many things. And as a child, I've seen a lot of those things. And I've seen a lot of the good and the bad and a lot of he said and a lot of she said and some brutal parts of the church. And let me just say this, is that the church is imperfect. It's full of imperfect people like us. So this idea that we are gonna find the perfect church where you'll never hear or you'll never see something that you disagree with, let me just help you, it doesn't exist. That's called heaven. When we get to heaven, that's the perfect church. No denominational lines, no color race, of nothing, nothing. We're just gonna come to heaven, we're gonna worship, we're gonna have church, and we're gonna go to KFC, praise God. We're gonna have church that's the way to have church. You eat chicken after church. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Growing up, there could have been a lot of reasons for me to just say, you know what? The church is crazy. People have talked bad about my parents. People have trashed my parents. And I have seen some things and have heard some things that very easily could make me distance myself. I'm sure the same is true for you, that you have seen and heard things in all of your years of church, or maybe even just a few weeks, that you have seen and heard things that could easily make you withdraw from God's great church. But let me help you with something today. Though the church is imperfect, the church was God's idea. And the Bible says on this rock, I will build my church, not his church or this pastor's church or this community church. No, he said the church is my idea. And I'm taking the responsibility of the church. And so I just want to encourage you today. The enemy could be chirping. The enemy could be talking. The enemy could be trying to dog the church. We're living in a time where the church is becoming more and more unpopular. We're slamming the church. We're viewed as narrow-minded. We're viewed as ignorant. We're viewed as crazy. But can I tell you something? I want to be crazy for Jesus. I want to clap my hands for Jesus. I want to shout for Jesus. So if to the world we look crazy, that's okay because the church is God's idea. And though she is crazy a little bit, that's our mama, mama church. We love the church. Are you hear what I'm saying? So we see things, we hear things. And the Bible says that in verse 18, they removed themselves. You see that? Because they saw something, they heard something, Point number two, they, 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 they removed who? So, so nobody else removed him? Oh, oh God, God didn't move? No, 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 they moved. They moved themselves based on the information and the data they were in, they were gathering. They moved back and removed themselves. I remember I heard a story of the older couple that was sitting in the truck and the old trucks had one bench. You know, there was no console or anything like that. And when they were early years dating, they would sit right beside each other. 
right? Anybody used to do that in the hundred, like 1901, Pastor Ron? <laughs> just kidding. The, <laughs> he's like, I remember that with horse and buggy. <laughs> just kidding, Pastor Ron. But, but they would sit right beside each other, and over time, 30, 40 years of marriage, she was sitting by her window, he was sitting by his, and she turned over to him and said, babe, you remember back in the day when we would ride together in the truck and we sat right beside each other? He looked at her and says, babe, um, I never moved. I never moved. I think if God could talk to somebody today, maybe he's saying, I've never moved. Maybe you have been drifting. Maybe you have removed yourself. Maybe you have stepped away from a ministry. Maybe you have stepped away from a calling. Maybe you're stepping away from a marriage. Maybe you're stepping away from a relationship. Maybe you're stepping away from your faith. And God is saying, hey, hey, I've not moved. You're wondering where you're at in your walk with Christ. God is saying, I have not moved. They removed themselves. In the book of Acts, it says that they devoted themselves. That devotion is our responsibility it's not necessarily the pastor's responsibility to see if you're devoted. It's not necessarily the worship team. We all supplement it. We all praise God together. We worship together, serving together, loving God together. But at the end of the day, your devotion is up to you, and you have to devote yourself. As you look through verse 18, the scripture says that they saw and they heard. They removed themselves. Last line says, and they stood afar off. They stood afar off. Let me help you today that this is the devil's end game. This is exactly where it all, where the enemy would want you to end up, is afar, afar off. Afar off from church, afar off in your prayer life, afar off in your marriage, afar off in your worship, afar off from your dreams, afar off from your family, the, ch the chattering that they heard, the things that they seen, the things that they experienced that made them pull the way, the enemy has got them right where they want them because they've just become further and further and further and further, keep looking back, further and further away. They've distanced themselves and that's right where the enemy wants you, is isolated. The enemy wants you so socially and spiritually distanced because the enemy is counting on you, underestimating the price of becoming distant. He's counting on you, not calculating the cost of distancing yourself. He's counting on you, not thinking through the price of standing afar off, getting away from your faith and getting away from the church. And if he can keep you bitter, he knows this. Listen to me. If he can keep you bitter, he can keep you standing afar off. If he can keep you mad, if he can keep you all upset, if he can keep you hurt, bothered, if he can keep you in shame and sin, and he'll, he'll keep you right where he wants you. And where is that? Afar off. It's right where the children of Israel had found themselves, moving away from God's best for their life. And they've moved, they've moved afar off. I believe that if we were to go around this room today or talk to people online, that there are people who probably should be here today 
There are people whose ministry never got picked up again when they laid it back down. There are people who his faith are, is broken or, and their mind is hurt and their heart shattered. And the things that they've experienced, those things have created such a distance and it's right where the enemy wants them. Far away. I read one time that a cancer cell is an isolated cell. It is an alone cell. It's, it's something isolated way over here that becomes a problem. I think the enemy could be causing spiritual issues in people's life because of the distance that we create. The scripture goes on to say in verse 21, and the people stood afar off. But watch what our leader, Moses, does. He drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. The people stood afar off. The people pulled back. The people create distance. The people feel shame. The people feel hurt. The people see this. But Moses begins to draw near to God. You've heard the verse before. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. They distanced themselves, but Moses did something crazy, is that he walked into the place of darkness where God, where God was. Where God was. Where God was. I thought God was a God of light. I thought God was a God of healing. I thought God of God, I thought God was a God of good things and great things and up days and perfect things. But in this scripture, God was in the dark. In this scripture, we're informed that he drew near to God despite there being darkness around him. He still drew near to God. Let me tell you something today. I think there will be times that you've seen things, you've heard things, you've experienced things that can make you pull away, that can make you back up. But God is asking someone today to draw near, even in the dark. Even when you're not sure this, that you want to make this work, but God's saying draw near anyway. That, that the enemy could say, you know what? This marriage ain't worth trying. He's of this, she's of that. And God's saying, draw near. But it's dark, God, and it's scary. God said, keep drawing near. Because it is in the dark place where I'm at. We keep thinking if it's less dark, then that's where God is. But God is informing us today by his word. Sometimes it's in the dark places. That's where he really is. It's in the place where you find yourself wondering about your future and your destiny and, and you're scared of what you're going through, and what you're going to experience. And God's saying, if you're just willing to walk in the dark, I'll, you'll find me in dark places. Are you willing to draw near despite the darkness? Are you willing to draw near despite feeling uncertainty? I know you've seen things, I know you've heard things, I know you've felt things, but ultimately, are you willing 
to say, you know what, God? I know that people have said this. I know that I felt this. I know that I'm experiencing this, but I'm gonna continue to walk in a place where I can't always see where I'm going. But the Bible says that you are with me in the valley of the shadows of death. Even when I don't know where to go, you know where to go. Even when I don't know what to pray, you know what to pray. Even when I don't know what to think, your word's gonna guide me. I'm walking through dark places because I know you're in there. I know you're with me. He's with you in divorce court. He's with you in sickness. He's with you in hospital rooms. He's with you in dark places. We often think that God's only at church at 10 a.m. on Sunday. But can I inform you, Jesus is in the crack house right now. Jesus is in a hospital room right now. Jesus is in a jail cell, slipping past a guard right now, praying for somebody's son and daughter to be healed and restored. That's the kind of God we serve, a God who's not afraid of the dark. My little boy, a couple weeks ago, he was screaming for me in his room, and I go in the middle of the night, I go in there, I said, what's wrong, what's wrong? He goes, Dad, I'm afraid of the dark, I'm afraid of the dark. And I said, son, uh, well, well, let's pray. So we pray together, and I said, son, uh, there's no need to, to be afraid of the dark, because God's in here with you. You know what he told me? He said, but the dark's still scary. Ain't that the truth? Even if you know God is with you, the darkness is still scary. Even if you know God's with you in that place, you still feel the trauma of the thing you're walking through. You still feel the weight of it, but just know God's with you while you're in it. Sometimes that's what faith is. Faith isn't necessarily walking when everything's okay. Faith is walking when it's still dark and you're still scared and you don't know where to go and you don't know what to think and you don't know what to do, but knowing that God is with, he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, he's not forgotten about me in the middle of my mess, in the darkness, I'm still drawing near. Still drawing, still drawing near. I think there's people that the enemy would love to cause a situation, a sorrow, a pain, to just, just, Lenita, just, just keep creating this, this distance. I'm going to keep coming back here, Aaron. These camera guys hate me, don't they? Do they hate me? They do? Okay. Keep following me, camera guy. Good luck, baby. Good luck. I See, watch this. I'm so far away. I'm so, I, you can't, it's hard to even distinguish me on that screen right now. This is where the enemy wants you. This far away, you can't distinguish God. I'm gone now. Look raptured out of here. God just wants to create, we, we keep trying to create distance. We keep trying to, to pull away and get into these dark, get, God, I don't. And God is saying today, a reminder from heaven for you, don't be afraid. Walk in the darkness. Know God's with you. It may be scary, but you just keep walking. You may not know what to do, but you just keep going. You may not know what to think, but you keep on praying because I know God's there and I'm gonna keep drawing near and I'm gonna keep going because it's in the darkness. That's where God is. Amen. You know what's crazy? And just, just, just one final preacher thought. This is, this is not in my notes to preach, but 
You know, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, Moses drew near into the darkness to find God. But in the New Testament, Jesus walked in darkness to find us. Isn't that something? Isn't that the gospel that Jesus, God wrapped himself in flesh, went to the cross. The Bible says the sun was covered. It was dark. And he said, it is finished. Because he knew, I'll go to darkness to find you. Can I tell you today, sometimes the cross, it's in the dark. Sometimes the healing you're looking for, it's in the dark. Sometimes the thing you're asking God to do, it's in the dark. Trusting God where you can't see well. Vibrant church, you've gone through some darkness. But guess what? God's in the dark. And our best days are still before us. And I believe with all of my heart, there's people in the room that the enemy thought he got you right where he wanted you, afar off. But God showed up today and said, ah, ah, ah. So come with me. You just keep on walking with me. You just keep on coming. It may get dark. We'll just go keep on walking. Because yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Are you thankful for the word of God today? If you're in the room today and you say, you know, I have found myself drifting from what, what God has for me. I found myself drifting, going afar off. Maybe I've heard something. Maybe I've seen something. Maybe I've experienced something. And the devil is beginning to make big things small and small things big. And today, by the power of his word, I want to come out from this situation. I'm going to walk into uncertainty if I have to. I'm going to walk and just embrace God again, and I want to get my head back on track with eyes closed all over the room. If that's you today and you say, hey, I'm not going to drift apart anymore. I'm not going to stand afar off. I'm not going to stand afar off in my marriage and my kids and my future and my ministry. If that's you today, I want you just to shoot a hand up to heaven and let God know you're in the room and say, God, here I am. This is me. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not going to drift. I'm not going to stay right on track. Thank you for those hands. I've pulled away, but God, but God, you're speaking to me. I feel somebody who's pulled away, and God is speaking to you right now. You've pulled away. You've pulled away. You're hurt. You're hurt. You're hurt. God, I pray the healing power of God to touch your emotions right now, to touch your heart right now. He's with you in the dark. He's with you in the dark. He's with you in the dark. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. We're going to draw near to you. Draw near to you.
going to draw near stand with us all over the room. I feel like God's healing some people today. I feel like God's touching some lives today. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, every person in the room and online, that we're going to draw near even with uncertainty. We're going to draw near even with pain. We're going to draw near with questions. We're going to draw near with doubts because we believe you're in the dark. We're not going to be, we're not going to be found standing afar off. We're not going to be found living in bitterness and hurt today, healing today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you believe it today, church, someone give God a good praise in this place.